Chapter Eight of Some Haunted Houses of England and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Some Haunted Houses of England and Wales by Elliot O'Donnell. Chapter Eight. Woolsey Abbey near Gloucester. The dreadful smell technical form of apparitions phantasms of the dead source of authenticity copies almost ad verbum from the m s lent me by mrs brown february nineteen o eight cause of haunting vice and premature burial my name is elizabeth rita brown i am a native of birmingham and my husband john alexander is the rector of a small parish near wolverhampton in the summer of nineteen hundred my husband who had long been ailing never having properly recovered from an attack of typhoid was obliged to take a holiday engaging a locum to do his work like the majority of clergymen his stipend was not very large and we could not consequently afford to go to any expensive place an advertisement in a well-known fashion gazette attracting our attention we at once made inquiries with the result that Woolsey Abbey became ours for three months at a practically nominal rent. Of course, it was in an extremely out-of-the-way spot. There was no railway within six miles, and the neighborhood was dull, flat, and uninteresting. Still, we might have marveled at getting it so absurdly cheap had we not heard that money was of no object to the owner, who was a semi-millionaire. We arrived early one evening in July, the sun was yet visible in the sky, and its dying efforts would have enhanced the meanest rural beauty. I cannot say we were comfortably impressed with the building. It was, of course, simply colossal, compared with our own little home, but so grim and grey, so forlorn and forbidding, and withal so inhospitable, that a momentary fear seized me lest its leaden-hued and crumbling walls should prove our winding sheets the grounds overgrown with every imaginable kind of weed that here attained brobdinagian dimensions gently shelved down to the house which lay in a minute valley dank damp and dismal the funereal aspect being further augmented by clumps of giant pines and elms the shadows from which were already beginning to weigh fantastically on both walls and gables to our right almost hidden by the thick foliage of the trees and luxuriant herbage we spied the twinkling surface of a sheet of water which we subsequently learned was a tarn or lake of almost unfathomable depth and darkness the principal feature of the mansion seemed to be that of antiquity of excessive antiquity more particularly the gothic monastic dome which resting on norman columns formed the termination of the left wing the right and central portion of the house dating back i believe to henry the seventh's reign though of this i have no positive proof the lapse of ages had wrought much discoloration added to which was the disfigurement caused by lichens and minute fungi that spreading over the whole exterior hung in a fine tangled web-work from the eaves but apart from this there were no great dilapidations 
the masonry remained intact whilst the woodwork save for a few deep rents and indentures seemed to be in an extraordinarily good state of repair the hand of nature had apparently been peremptorily and mysteriously arrested in its work of dissolution and decay the inside of the house though not belying the mournful expectations we had formed from the exterior drew from us all exclamations of wonder and admiration never had we seen such magnificent oak panelling nor such exquisitely carved ceilings nor such vast stretches of tapestry worn and faded though it was whilst the ebon blackness of the floors and the size and massiveness of the furniture were what we had hitherto only associated with the grandeur of a palace or a castle my daughters mary and eunice were charmed and impressed and both my husband and i felt our misgivings rapidly diminish when a few minutes later we were enjoying a dainty and well-cooked supper in one of the large and stately reception rooms the first days of our sojourn there passed with the pleasant monotony of well-earned rest we rambled through the long and staggering and seemingly interminable corridors of the house and about the grounds and gardens finding much to marvel at much to envy in the daytime the sun struggling feebly through the trellised panes of glass filled the rooms and passages with a crimson glow a glow both warming and enriching but at various times and in certain places startlingly and horribly suggestive of blood the analogy struck me the more forcibly each day i observed it so much so that i grew afraid to ascend the staircases alone mary and eunice laughed at my misgivings to them the house and surroundings were the quintessence of medieval splendor and romance they reveled in the grandeur of the interior trappings in the freedom of the vast park and gardens it was only after the third week that they too suddenly grew afraid but whereas my fears had been prompted by a comparison a comparison which however near and repellent still remained a comparison theirs were generated by something which although scarcely more tangible was unmistakably real they were constantly assailed by a smell a cold icy cold pungent beastly smell that would on some occasions approach them along a corridor or staircase and at others steal surreptitiously behind them from some obscure nook or cranny it was foul pestilential inexplicable they had never smelt anything like it before it was nothing recognizable it neither emanated from drainage nor from dead animals behind the skirting boards it was nauseous suffocating freezing and as if it lived it moved from the moment they first became aware of its presence their pleasure in the house ceased all their time was now spent in the garden but in that part of the garden only whence no view of the tarn could be obtained and where there were no trees neither my husband nor i had encountered the smell but it was not very long before the servants did and one by one they left nor could we find any that were willing to take their place the abbey bearing a very evil reputation in the neighbourhood the question of our daughter's health began to cause us some anxiety were we doing right in remaining in the house and exposing them to the danger of some serious malady 
for although the origin of the smell was a mystery the effect of so horrible a stench could not prove otherwise than injurious we decided therefore to give up our tenancy at the expiration of another week the idea of quitting such palatial quarters and retiring to the meanness of some petty villa or four-room cottage not disturbing us half as much as our inability to arrive at the cause of that smell in the silence of the night when no other sounds were to be heard save the gentle beating of the branches against our window and the occasional hooting of an owl we lay awake and wondered wondered why it never came to us but always to mary and eunice the house i have said was liberally furnished both rooms and passages were covered with soft if somewhat faded carpets there was no lack of tables couches chairs etc whilst the walls were adorned with pictures which though darkened by dust and blistered by the sun revealed the art of old and well-known masters but it was the library that attracted and pleased us most there arranged methodically in the ample bookcases were volumes of every description books of ancient lore spectators tatler's richardson's pamela defoe's moll of flanders tyndall's bible dryden's and gifford's translations from the classics the mysticisms of swedenborg beamham and plotinus and countless others many even of greater rarity and value bound uniformly in those covers of rich moroccan leather so characteristic of the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries one among all others had riveted our attention from the very first i had already alluded to the peculiar and ghastly phenomenon produced by the sun's rays penetrating the colored glass in the corridors and on the staircases here it was even more pronounced though only very locally the full force of the rays being focused in the most startling manner on the metal clasp of a volume of stupendous size and apparently vast antiquity the result being that whereas the entire book was bathed in a bloody halo the others were left in a comparatively clear and normal light appalled yet fascinated by this unaccountable anomaly we had several times attempted to remove the volume in order to pry into its contents but we were unable to do so owing we imagined to its having stuck or being fastened in some peculiar manner to the shelf and we were afraid to use any great force for fear of damaging the cover consequently our curiosity had to remain unsatisfied the night however preceding our departure from the abbey august eleven my husband had already left by a midday train i was whiling away the few remaining hours in the study mary and eunice being as i thought engaged in packing when suddenly i heard someone approach the door as if on tiptoe the next moment there came a loud knock and the sonorous sound of the grandfather clock in the alcove beside me commencing to strike seven the two noises were almost simultaneous wondering who my visitor could be our only servant a woman from the nearest village having left an hour ago i smoothed my gown and walking hastily to the door threw it open 
as i did so a current of cold air tainted with the most disgusting and detestable stench conceivable sent me half staggering half choking backwards and i perceived standing on the threshold not ten paces from me two figures of hellish horror featureless fleshless foul clad in the tattered rotted garments of a monk and nun they confronted me motionless silent and then the voice of my eunice attracting their attention they slowly wheeled round and glided ghoulishly along the passage i gave one shriek of warning to eunice as she hove in sight carrying in her arms a tray of odds and ends for me to sort for a second or so she stood too petrified to move and then as the things appeared on the verge of touching her with their long outstretched arms she dropped the tray and uttering a kind of terrified gasp fled precipitately they did not pursue her but gliding onward with the same mechanical movements suddenly vanished on reaching the wall at the end of the corridor nor did we i am thankful to say see them again the smell had explained itself anxious to get to eunice and fearsome lest she should have fainted i was about to quit the study when my eyes were attracted to an object on the floor it was the mysterious volume which loosened from the shelf in some miraculous fashion had fallen to the ground and now lay open its ponderous gilded clasps undone and limp the fading sunlight concentrating its rays on the pages of the book in a final and prodigiously bloody effort enabled me to read the following extract and for this great and unpardonable sin of the abbess hilda and the monk nicholas we the saintly and beloved abbot matthew the learned franciscan brother raymond the layman and laborers barber and brooks together with i sir john hickson lee knight did entomb them alive clasped in each other's arms cursing man and blaspheming heaven on the eve of the eleventh day of august fifteen twenty one and of the exact spot in the abbey of wolsey wherein they be buried no man save we who place them there knoweth nor shall any discover the same until the day cometh when the secrets of all flesh shall be revealed this much i read and no more for the light proving too strong for me i was compelled to remove my gaze and when i opened my eyes and saw again the volume it had gone and lo to my intense and unfeigned amazement it was back again in its customary place on the shelf nor could the united efforts of myself and daughters remove it from that spot regarding this extraordinary incident as the only feasible explanation of the phenomena eunice and i had seen we could arrive at no other conclusion than that the house once wolsey abbey was haunted by the phantasms of the abbess hilda and the monk nicholas and with such an explanation we have had to be content end of chapter eight recording by john brandon